Hi, everybody. Cheryl Atkinson here. Welcome to another edition of the Cheryl Atkinson Podcast. Today, how the FBI has gotten tangled up in numerous cases where it's accused innocent people of being Chinese spies. Today's topic really brought back a lot of memories for me when I was researching it. It reminds me about a story I'd done, maybe one of the first big, big stories I broke as a young reporter at CBS News. It was the case of Win Ho Lee more than 20 years ago. Let me begin by telling you a little bit about that. Some of the backstory, I was fairly new to the CBS Washington Bureau at the time, and I was trying to break stories or find a way to contribute and be on TV. And the way it works back then, you have to, if you're not assigned a beat, which I wasn't, you have to come up with some idea that they think is good enough somewhere up the line that they'll let you work on the story, assign you a producer who gets the technical aspects of the story done, such as editing and helping arrange the crew for the interviews and so on. And I kept striking out because I would come up with story ideas every day only to be told, well, that story is under the purview of the Capitol Hill reporter at the time. That was Bob Schieffer. Or that story is kind of under the purview of the White House reporter. So everything in Washington, D.C., it seemed to me, everything I could come up with as an idea fell under somebody else's story idea, somebody else's beat, maybe the Pentagon, maybe the transportation beat. And there was nothing I could think of that fell under my beat. And so even if these other reporters weren't covering those stories that I had the ideas for, they wouldn't let you cover them. Well, anyway, I started calling around important committees on Capitol Hill, important committees of Congress, to see what sorts of things that they were doing introduced myself to whatever staffer answered the phone, told them that I was looking for stories and information on things that other people were not covering or were not widely covering. And at the time, one of the big stories that I didn't think we were covering very well, and I didn't fully understand, so I was trying to find out more, had to do with the funding of Bill Clinton's political campaign or perhaps other campaigns by Chinese sources, which was against the law, and I was digging around about that. So I would call these congressional committees and tell them if they had any information about that, please clue me in so I could start researching that. Well, lo and behold, out of the blue one day, I get a call from somebody that I had called. And long story short, it led to a tip. It led to some research. It led to me breaking a huge story, which was that China, we had just learned, had stolen the secrets to our most sensitive nuclear warhead, something called the W-88, had stolen the design plans for this weapon. This was a really big deal, and nobody had reported it yet. And I needed to find out more than just what my bit of research was turning up because, again, you're a kind of young reporter on a topic you don't know anything about, and you need to learn more so that you can explain it accurately to the public, get additional sources. So I tried to work as fast as I could because I heard the New York Times was also working on the story and I wanted to break it before they did, which I succeeded at, by the way. So as I prepared to report the story for CBS News, I knew from the best sources, in other words, I was getting direct information, that even though we knew China had stolen these design plans for this warhead, the W-88, that um, we didn't have a suspect, meaning the intelligence agencies and the people looking into it had no idea who had done this. So I break the story on a Friday evening on the CBS Evening News. And on Sunday, a couple days later, the New York Times does a very big in-depth story. They had clearly been working on this for quite some time. 
And then I continue to cover the story because now it's huge news, maybe every day for the next week or so or every few days, and, and I stayed on it. Well, pretty quickly, there was a big announcement that the United States had its suspect and had, I think, taken someone into custody already. And I remember thinking, well, that's odd because I know from the best sources that they didn't even have a suspect. How did they turn up so quickly with somebody that they said they think did this? And the person that they named, and by the way, they leaked the name improperly, the government did, the person they named and the FBI arrested was Win Ho Lee, this Chinese-American scientist. So all the other media ran with this story because the government had leaked the name of Win Ho Lee, and they acted as though the government had their man. But my reporting was a little different than everybody else's because I didn't think he was necessarily a legitimate suspect based on the information I had. In fact, it started to look like he was somebody the government found to scapegoat. Why would they do such a thing? And back then, I was, I guess, a little more naive about the, what the government was willing to do and what the FBI would do. Um, but I concluded, ultimately, that based on people I spoke to, that it was very embarrassing, obviously, for these secrets to have been stolen. And the FBI and the government needed to offer up somebody to say that it wasn't the case that they just had no idea who did it. They wanted to be able to say they knew who did it. Well, as time went on, with everybody pretty much making Win Ho Lee sound like the guilty guy... And remember, we've had so many cases where the person whose name the FBI leaked wasn't the guilty guy after all, or the person that the FBI was after publicly, Richard Jewell. I mean, I've done so many stories on all that, but I wanted to be very careful about implying that this guy was guilty when, A, I had sources and information that led me to think he was not, and B, until you know that was proven to be the case by some sort of evidence or in a court of law. We should always be very careful about that. So I'm going to read you a story, I guess a few weeks in, maybe a few months into covering this case that I did for CBS News that will explain some horrific behavior on the part of the FBI. And it had to do with falsifying information about Wen Ho Lee's lie detector tests. So here goes the story. The video version of it's been taken down. I guess it's so old. The CBS website has changed. A lot of those videos are gone, but I'm reading you the transcript of the story. Win Ho Lee either passed or failed his first spy-related polygraph, depending on who was interpreting the results. As CBS News correspondent Cheryl Ackeson reports, this was the introduction to the story, I guess, that Dan Rather read, the test was given December 23, 1998, by a Department of Energy polygrapher in Albuquerque, New Mexico, where Win Ho Lee worked as a top-secret nuclear scientist. Because Lee a Taiwanese-American had recently been to Taiwan, had visited China in the past, and purportedly had access to America's top nuclear secrets, the FBI focused on him as the prime suspect in the emerging case of alleged Chinese espionage. The FBI still wasn't close to making an arrest or even beginning an interrogation, but the Department of Energy's head of counterintelligence, Ed Curran, was reluctant to leave Lee, Wen Ho Lee, in his highly sensitive job in the Los Alamos Labs X division, so he ordered the polygraph test. FBI agents were standing by during the Department of Energy polygraph test, ready to interrogate Lee if his polygraph answers proved to be deceptive. Lee was asked four espionage-related questions, perhaps the most relevant among them, 
Have you ever committed espionage against the United States? Lee's response, no. The polygraph results were so convincing and unequivocal that sources say the deputy director of the Los Alamos lab issued an apology to Lee and work began to get him reinstated in the X division. Furthermore, sources confirmed to CBS News that the local Albuquerque FBI office sent a memo to headquarters in Washington saying it appeared that Lee was not their spy. But key decision makers in Washington remained unconvinced, or at least said they were unconvinced, because several weeks after the polygraph, the Department of Energy decided to assign the unusual designation of the polygraph being incomplete, even though it wasn't. And officials in Washington also ordered a halt to Lee's reinstatement to the X Division where he worked. When FBI headquarters in Washington finally obtained the Department of Energy polygraph results, yet another interpretation was offered. Now they said that Lee had failed that polygraph. The FBI then did its own testing of Lee and then claimed again that he failed the polygraph. Yet sources say the FBI didn't interrogate Lee at this time or even tell him he had failed the polygraph, which is an odd deviation from procedure for agents who are taught to immediately question anyone who is deceptive in a polygraph. Then, sometime later, in early March of 1999, the FBI did interrogate Lee, and it was the day that I broke the story of the soon-to-be-released congressional report on alleged Chinese espionage at the labs, and the day before the New York Times printed an article that described Lee as the suspect without using his name. One investigative source told me that after this particular day of questioning, the lead FBI agent verbalized that she thought Lee was not the right man, but again, others still remained unconvinced. Okay, I'm going to break away from the story to break it down in maybe a little clearer fashion. So Lee was questioned early on, and he was dismissed as a suspect by pretty much everybody who looked at him, even given an apology. But right before the New York Times printed a big article that was pointing to him, and after I broke the story about the Chinese espionage, all of a sudden, Lee's back in the FBI focus. He's no longer cleared. Now all of a sudden they're saying, oh, you know, you failed a polygraph. So back to the story. On March 7th, 1999, the day after that big New York Times article, the FBI ordered another interrogation of Lee, this time a confrontational style interview. One special agent doing the questioning told Lee no fewer than 30 times that he had failed his polygraphs. Now, mind you, this wasn't true. And he repeatedly demanded of Lee to know why. Here are some selected excerpts. And again, deviating from the article, how did I get this information? I actually had the polygraph. I had um, very good sources, and I was able to report this in a way nobody else was able to report at the time because... I had obtained the polygraph itself. So these are some of the excerpts from it. The FBI special agent says to Win Ho Lee, you're never going to pass a polygraph and you're never going to have a clearance and you're not going to have a job. And if you get arrested, you're not going to have a retirement. If I don't have something that I can tell Washington as to why you're failing these polygraphs, I can't do a thing. Now, mind you, he wasn't failing polygraphs. Lee says, well, I don't understand. The FBI agent says, I can't get you your job. I can't do anything for you, Wen Ho. I can't stop the newspapers from knocking on your door. I can't stop the newspapers from calling your son. 
I can't stop the people from polygraphing your wife. I can't stop somebody from coming and knocking on your door and putting handcuffs on you. Lee says, I don't know how to handle this case. I'm an honest person and I'm telling you all the truth and you don't believe it. That's it. The FBI special agent, do you want to go down in history whether you're professing your innocence like the Rosenbergs to the day that they take you to the electric chair? Lee says, I believe eventually and I think God, God will make it his judgment. Now, during this time period, as I mentioned a minute ago, Washington officials began leaking to the media that Lee had failed his polygraphs and that he was the one who had given to China the information on America's most advanced thermonuclear warhead, the W-88, a stunning charge that in the end, investigators were unable to back up. One question at hand is how could the exact same polygraph charts be legitimately interpreted as passing and also failing? Well, I spoke to Richard Kiefer, the current chairman at the time of the American Polygraph Association. He was a great resource because he was a former FBI agent and used to run the FBI's polygraph program. He told me there are never enough variables, this is a quote, to cause one person to say a polygraph subject is deceptive and one to say he's non-deceptive. There should never be that kind of discrepancy on the evaluation of the same chart. Now, I think this is a really interesting subpart of the story I've never told. I had, or I asked, this expert of the American Polygraph Association, Richard Kiefer, to review the polygraph because I wanted him to see, is there a way, this is what I asked him, could one person have looked at the polygraph and said he was completely honest, but then the FBI look at it and say, no, he failed. And I didn't tell Kiefer whose polygraph he was looking at. I thought it was important for him to just see it as a polygraph that he was interpreting. And he was very definitive about that it was not the case that this could be interpreted in different ways. I also asked him, were the questions somehow bad, where the FBI could come in later and say that wasn't a good polygraph, that's why we said he failed. He's like, nope, the questions were good. And um, I asked how this could have happened, that there were these differing viewpoints on the same polygraph, And Kiefer told me, quote, then somebody is making an error. And when he looked at Lee's polygraph scores, he said the scores are, quote, crystal clear. In fact, think about this. Kiefer told me that in all his years as a polygrapher, he had never been able to score anyone so high on the non-deceptive scale as when Ho Lee had scored. And he was at a loss to find any explanation for how the FBI could deem this polygraph score as failing. The FBI would not publicly explain how or why it interpreted Lee's polygraph as deceptive. When I asked them for an interview, the FBI simply said that it would be bad to talk about Lee's polygraph and that it would all be handled in the courts. The prosecution would not turn over the charts or other polygraph documents to Lee's defense team when asked, and so far, at least at the time I did the story, the prosecution had withheld other key documents, including the actual charts from the Department of Energy polygraph. The fact that Win Ho Lee's scores apparently morphed from passing to failing certainly fueled the argument of those who claimed the government was looking for a scapegoat, somebody to blame for the alleged theft of masses of American top-secret nuclear weapons information by China, and Lee conveniently filled the role. Lee was held in solitary confinement for nine months and yet never charged with spying. They never could build a case on that after leaking his name to the public, destroying his life, holding him 
by the way, he was sort of an older guy at the time. If I remember correctly, maybe he was somewhere around 60 years old, holding him in solitary confinement this whole time. And as the case progressed, FBI misconduct was revealed. On the polygraph and on several other fronts, Lee ended up pleading guilty to just one count of mishandling data, no spy charges, and he was released at that point with an extraordinary apology. The judge said that those who led his prosecution, quote, embarrassed our entire nation and each of us who is a citizen in it. Lee eventually sued and won a settlement from the federal government and also won a payment from the New York Times, the Associated Press, the LA Times, the Washington Post, and ABC News. I would point out in these cases where there is FBI misconduct or government misconduct, we pay the price, meaning we the taxpayers. The individual agents didn't suffer. And in fact, tying this to something that happened today, as you may have heard, there is an FBI agent who was, until not too long ago, the head of counterintelligence in the FBI New York office, Charles McGonigal, recently arrested for allegedly working with Russian oligarchs doing illegal activity, money laundering, and that sort of thing. Charles McGonigal was an FBI agent or supervisor on the Winho Lee case all those years ago. When these people don't get punished for their improper actions at the time or for the actions or held accountable for the actions of those working for them, and they continue to rise up the chain, it starts to look like they're promoted for that very reason. Those are people that are willing to do the dirty work or perhaps do things that other agents and supervisors wouldn't be willing to do. And there's an interesting footnote to what happened after I reported that story for CBS News on Winho Lee's polygraph scores and how that American Polygraph Association expert who said Winho Lee's polygraph was as non-deceptive or even more non-deceptive than he'd ever seen. Well, before the story aired, I did end up telling Kiefer whose polygraph he had looked at, that it was Winho Lee's, and Winho Lee had been in the news by then. So all of a sudden, Kiefer, this guy who had worked for the FBI, understands that he has just cast doubt on the agency he used to work for and the assessment they gave of Winho Lee's polygraph. And what does he do? He tried to kind of back down off his assessment, but he was so firm in the interview, on and off camera, so clear about the polygraph not being able to be interpreted in any other way as non-deceptive. I checked with my lawyers at CBS, and we were good to air the story anyway, but he was really trying to back off of that. He even said to me that he had called some of his contacts at the FBI, and they had assured him that there were good reasons that Wynne Holy was their suspect. And I said, well, that really wasn't the point of the story. There may be good reasons they think that he's the suspect, but that doesn't allow them to falsify polygraph results. And that was the topic of my story. Now, why are we talking about all of this today so many years later? Well, there are claims that the FBI is still doing this to some Chinese-American scientists. More on that after a short break. Eyeshadow has come a long way since you swiped on one color at a time or practically had to take a masterclass in cosmetics to get the shading right. Hi, I'm Star, owner of The Lemonade Mermaid, and I've designed an exclusive shade-shifting multichrome pigment for eyes that's like no other you'll ever see. Just swipe it on your eyelids and the magic happens. Depending on the angle and light, it shifts between hues of golden pink or green and pink and even purple and gold. 
The shading is done for you. Just $25 for a jar that will last you months. My website is store.lemonademermaid.life. And listeners of this podcast can get 20% off these incredible pigments by using the checkout code PODCAST. I hope to see you at store.lemonademermaid.life today. We are back. And this Sunday, February 5th, I will be airing my interview with physicist Zhao Jing Shi, who is a Chinese-American scientist who, not unlike Wenho Li, was arrested by the FBI, supposedly for spying for China, only to ultimately have the charges against him dropped. The FBI was mixed up. And you'll hear how if you watch the story Sunday on Full Measure, or if you're listening to this after February 5th, 2023, you can look for replays at fullmeasure.news. Or it's even easier, I think, to go to CherylAxon.com and click the Full Measure tab, and you can see a link to all my cover stories, and it will be under there. You could probably just search the page for China, and it would show up, or Chinese. But the point here is, why all these years later is this still happening? And did it happen to even more people in between Zhao Jingxi and Wenho Li? And the answer is yes. And let me go over some of the examples. In 2013, in October, there were two Chinese-American scientists at Eli Lilly, and they were charged with passing valuable secrets to a Chinese drug company. I'm probably going to say their names incorrectly, but I'm going to take a stab at it. Zhao King Kao and Xu Yu Li were their names. So they were dragged through the mud, and obviously their lives dramatically impacted as well as their careers, only to have a year later charges dropped. It turns out that the information that the FBI said was so secretive that they had passed along was neither secret nor even proprietary to Eli Lilly. Then the following year after they were arrested in October of 2014, there was a Chinese-American who worked at the National Weather Service named Sherry Chen. She was arrested after she sent some information, as the story goes, to an old classmate in China But then charges were dropped later after it was determined the material that was supposedly so sensitive wasn't secret and had been publicly available. And then, and she sued like Win Ho Lee and also won a taxpayer-funded payment from the federal government for $1.5 million. Again, they commit the misconduct and then we pay the price. In 2020, on May 14th, the FBI arrested a Chinese-American doctor at the Cleveland Clinic, Dr. King Wang, for alleged improper, undisclosed research ties to China. He, of course, was fired from his job at Cleveland Clinic, but more than a year later, his case also dropped. And part of you may be thinking, well, as long as the cases were dropped, what's the harm? The FBI is just trying to do their job. But, you know, when the FBI comes after you, you have to hire lawyers. Some people have you know, lost their house. They don't have the kind of money that a lawyer takes to go up against the FBI and all the things that they do. If they do come after you and prosecute you, this is life-changing and you never get that back. And I don't want to gloss over the fact that there are apparently legitimate reasons for concern that China has been caught or found to have been stealing a lot of our intellectual property and information in a way that some say does threaten our national security and is very dangerous to the United States, but it really doesn't excuse the FBI for misses. 
Yes, nobody's perfect, but it seems like there is a string of cases that have a similar ring to it. In fact, Zhao Jingxi is suing the government just like Wen Ho Lee did, and he's alleging that they falsified evidence against him, that they knew, this is his allegation, before arresting him, that he wasn't guilty of the thing they were accusing him of. Again, I don't know if that's true, but that's an allegation that he and his lawyers certainly think they can back up. We'll see how that shakes down. To hear more on this case, including an extended interview with Xi, you can listen to my other podcast right now. It's already posted, Full Measure After Hours. I think you'll find it pretty interesting. And going back again to the Winho Lee case, this was one of just many cases that taught me when the government leaks information to you as a reporter, you have to be very careful to make sure you're not being used. Even if you can use and report the information, you should be careful about accepting it at face value without attributing it as something they say rather than something that is definitively true. You have to still do your own research, develop your own sources. And over time, I've had a pretty good record of talking to a lot of different people and understanding through various signals and through track records whose word can be trusted, who proves reliable over time, and who hasn't. And it's helped guide me on all kinds of stories about entirely different topics. So I hope you found it interesting to get this little inside glimpse into the story I'm doing this weekend for full measure, but also the one I did so long ago about Win Ho Lee. Thanks for listening, everybody. I hope you'll share this podcast and leave a great review. And now you can support independent journalism, which has never been more important, by visiting CherylAckeson.com and clicking the store tab. There are some thought-provoking and fun products designed exclusively for independent and free thinkers like you, with proceeds from sales benefiting various independent reporting causes. Do your own research, make up your own mind, think for yourself.